Hey guys, this is John back with VP Precision. We got Jake on the phone over here in uh, the giant metropolis of Cheney, and we're doing a little catch up. So, how you been, buddy? I've uh, been really good. We've been we've actually been really busy. Um, good. Selling a lot of steel and getting a lot of stuff out for people, and it's been uh, it's been great. Good. So, uh, is that because I deemed you essential, or what? <laughs> that's a, that's probably it. Good. Uh, I'm glad I did that. We've been, I mean, I think everyone's been staying home, and so a lot of people are trying to get out and go shooting now, and all their kids are home, so a lot of the 22 targets have, um, you know, they've been really popular lately, so oh, good. It, it's uh, definitely a blessing for sure. Good. Dude, um, well, I'm going to hold back, you know, my, I'm going to hold back some Corona comments. I'm a little fired up about the whole thing. <laughs> I feel like it's slightly overblown, not to downplay anybody that's died, but it's uh i think we're uh well like i said i'm gonna hold back my comments so um <laughs> the rimfire targets however brought up something i thought about um i pulled out my uh my old 40x the uh a couple days ago and i had some lapua camera time dude I, i'll post a picture on vp um i shot <laughs> zero and i zeroed it i didn't even i had my that a tiny little kyl rack at 50 yards um your kyl so the smallest targets like the width of a bullet and um it was at 50 yards and that's how i zeroed the 22 i just shot until i hit the bottom the bottom piece of that stick and I was like, okay, my zero is good. And I just ran up to check it at a hundred yards. I shot three shots. Like, I mean, it's a little bit bigger than 22 caliber, but not a whole lot bigger. I mean, just in the same hole, just like a, a, a group I'd be so stoked with out of a dasher or any other like comp gun. And it was, I, was, I just, I took it out to 340 yards and was just hammering. Like, I, I cannot believe how good 22s are <laughs> it was Jeez. it's crazy the downside is you go through ammo so stinking fast in those things so um we'll give another shout out to 22s here shortly when we talk about nebraska because uh got to shoot the new uh the new zoom out 22 which was pretty unreal so um it was kind of fun that kind of ignited my uh uh my wanting to play with 22s a little bit more so Anyway. So now when you shot that, you were in Nebraska, and you happened to shoot Nebraska a couple weeks ago, uh, right before yeah. all the matches started shutting down. Um, yeah, last one, man, I think. Man, you just burned it down. Congrats, brother. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I guess we'll, we'll play catch-up. Let's. I mean, I hit not to – I'm not just going to hide the bad stuff either. The week before, I had shot Clay's match, uh, PRS match down in Oklahoma, and I had probably my worst match I've had uh, maybe ever. And – <laughs> and, and yeah and it was it was it was really I, I don't know why that's funny but sorry no it is it, it, i mean it was it got to the point where it was comical i was a squad with matt Medeiros, a, a guy from up in washington and so he was down there we just happened to squad together i got in late and decided to get down there um generally i can shoot more matches this time of year than later in the year so i try to shoot as much as i can in the spring before work gets too crazy so uh, went down there last minute to stay with Austin Orgain, um, who ended up winning the shoot. He obviously, you guys know if if you're into this, you know who he is. He's a killer. He's a great guy, and he shot really, really well that weekend and 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 won. Uh, stayed at his house was it was really cool. Um, just had a good time. Um, good people. I mean, even though those guys live in Oklahoma, I really do like the Oklahoma guys. So <laughs> I give them crap <laughs> about their state all the time. So um, anyway, um, but yeah, it was it was uh, trying to you know what lessons I can learn to uh, 
to give to talk about sorry i'm turning this down a little bit hopefully that wasn't too loud for you guys when i started but um the uh so the wind was ripping and a side in day wasn't bad it was probably only like 15 to 20 and when i got there i couldn't i was hitting um I was, I was hitting high on everything and I was like, huh? And I was checking the wind direction and stuff. I was like, I shouldn't be hitting this high. And I shot high at 300 and 600 and 800 and a thousand. And I did it two different times. I was like, well, shoot. So I checked zero. And before I went, I was pretty confident in my zero at home. And this is an error. It's hard. This is, this was part of my problem and it's hard I try not to change my zero if I'm very confident in it at home, but every once in a while I will. And I was consistently high everywhere. Even there was a little section where the wind died down and I was still high. So I was like, okay, something's wrong. So I checked my zero again. I was definitely high. Uh, I, and I corrected and then I, and I hammered all the way out to a thousand. I was like, okay, we're good to go. The wind was forecasted to pick up like crazy Saturday and Sunday. And it did. It was, Oh, on the 25 to 35, I don't know if, you know, gust of 40, I don't, it was blowing very, very hard all day. And so Tate and Clay, it's hard. I mean, when, when stuff like that happens, there's not much you can do. It's just, it, it kind of, it kind of messes up matches. And so what they did is they went out and switched a whole bunch of targets over and put up much, much bigger targets. Um, so it was a pretty high hit percentage match despite the winds and the problem. So I was hitting, I had came, come down on my zero and I was hitting low on these targets, but they were shot up and they were all huge. And it was really hard for me to tell. They were too big for me to miss low until the ones that mattered, like the little small ones. And so I'd hit a lot of these targets and I didn't know I was hitting them low. I couldn't tell. Usually I can tell, but they were they were pretty big. And I think I was low on a lot of those targets, and I just couldn't pick it up for whatever reason. It was, you know, when Sunday was raining, and it started raining, and it was nasty, and I just couldn't pick it up. And then every smaller target, I'd be, I'd start to slip these shots low, and I was like, man, what is going on? And I just... The, the hit percentage for the winner was so high. By the time I was kind of sorting it out, I was already down so many points. Um, it just it just caught me in a weird a snowball. And then the misses, the wind's ripping as well. So you're like, okay, was I low or was I just off the edge because it's blowing so hard? And I just, it just couldn't get it going. And it was a weird, um, it, was a stra- it was a strange one for me, but I dropped a lot of easy points. A clay at one point walked over. There was this, pretty it was an easy stage it was a 10 shot kyl rack he had put up at like four four five hundred yards and a lot of guys had cleaned it awesome cleaned it a lot of the upper guys had cleaned it drop one um a couple guys in our squad i think cleaned it some some newer shooters just lay down there prone they weren't terribly terribly big targets and sunday it was before the rain it was before the rain started wind was real steady it was a little lighter on sunday i think it was only I don't know what it was, 15 or 20, but it was real steady. And so you could get your wind hold and really roll with it. And, and then Matt Medeiros, who had shot really good on Saturday, went up there, laid down prone. He, and he's a really good belly shooter generally. I mean, I guess a lot of guys are, but he laid down there prone and proceeded to get a two out of 10 
on a stage that really is cleanable and clay's watching and, yeah. he, and he's like what and matt's just crushed he's like and i was like Dude, i mean i you know what that means when you drop eight shots and i think on sunday i think austin only dropped four shots all day and then he dropped eight mm-hmm. on one stage so that kind of tells you that moves you down a, a giant amount of of places in a match and I was like, dude, I'm sorry. And uh, he's like, I was watching him making corrections. And I'm like, yeah. And so I go up there. I'm like, I'm for sure going to clean it. Um, or, you know, I'm going to drop maybe maybe drop one on the small one, but I feel pretty good. And I went up there and got a two, a two out of ten. We just went back to back, two out of ten. And Clay was watching. He's like, dude, I was like, I don't know. I watched every bullet. I watched it land in the dirt bank behind it. I made a correction and missed again and made a correction and missed again and missed and missed and missed and missed and missed. And And it was like, I want to take things out of, of learning. And I think my biggest takeaway is, so here's my biggest takeaway is I didn't, I changed my zero. What I should have done, especially in this situation, is we, the match was 15 minutes from Austin's, and he had a hundred yard range at his house. I could have, I could, I should have shot earlier, late, and double checked everything that night because because I just wasn't quite adding up Friday. I was running short on rounds. I'm in, I have fire form in New Brass, and I'm in the middle. I just got lazy. I didn't, I didn't have enough rounds, so I didn't have a, extras to go really check zero, and that's my fault for not for not planning for that. But I was like, I just, I just, just a combination of things added up. And so it was my fault. I should have checked, especially with the opportunity at Austin's is check the hundred yard zero. I should have brought more rounds. I had enough, but I should have brought more. I've, I've learned this the hard way in the past. And it's always a kind of a, generally there's no problem. So generally you're fine. Every once in a while you have an issue and, 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 and it would have helped. So there's a variety of things I could have done. But I just, I think I just got lazy. The wind was ripping. We wanted to get out of the wind and we were just, we were hanging out and, and, and it just a shot here or there and it caught up and it caught up and it caught up. So just a, a good reminder to not get complacent and not get lazy and details matter as much as I know it. And as detailed as I am, I think I got mm-hmm. maybe a little bit lazy and, and, and paid the price for, you know, traveling down there and just having a terrible match. So, um, well, I will say that after you know we we talked after that match and you were saying okay i'm gonna go down and shoot this nebraska match um you're like i went home and and you know you're getting ready for this you know the next match everything's hammer timing you're ready to rock and roll i had a feeling that you were going to go down there and perform really well (laughs) um it's just it's like a you know you get I mean, I don't want to say you get beat down, but you know, yep. you get a little bit uh-huh. beat up yep. and it's like, okay, now uh, I need to buckle down and, yep. you know, uh, you know, what am I doing for crying out loud? That's exactly right? what so it was. I was, I was pissed off. Went I went to Nebraska said, angry. Right, go. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, I went Man, there I'm mad. Just so proud of you. Yeah. No, I mean, Nebraska was, was, was good. I shot, um, I shot really well, I guess we could roll into that a little bit. Um, I, we got we got a you know we got a question one of the guys um uh let's see he he just uh oh, what what was his name he asked uh he asked about um I can't even find it right now but anyway he asked about he asked about Nebraska um and uh 
Oh, sorry, Josh Forbes. He said, I shot shot the Bighorn Classic. Would love to hear how John uh, broke down each stage um, or some of the more difficult stages, definitely on day one. And day one was a grind. And so to, to back it up, yes, I came home. I was going right back to Nebraska. I took the same gun. Um, I cannot remember if I took the same load. I backed it way down because it's always nasty in Nebraska. I was going 2870 uh, with a 105 hybrid, which is a pretty mild load. Um, I just got some 109s. I hadn't had time to mess with them. Um, just got to the new lot. And so with this new barrel, and I just threw the 105s in there and I shot. And so I was taking it. And I went there, pretty, like I said, I was pretty upset. Like I was, I was, I was gunning. I was going there for, for blood. <laughs> and uh, so we. W- uh, I don't know where to Friday was beautiful. There was some side in and we did some really fun side matches. Um, kind of like a two gun, like a, a, a pistol shotgun race stage that DC precision kind of ran. He builds awesome glocks and, and these shotguns. And it was a really cool, uh, $10 a run as many times as you wanted to try knock down these steel targets with the pistol and then the shotgun. It was, it was a blast. So I shot that for a long time, helped him kind of run that stage and I had a really good time and ended up, Ended up winning the shotgun, which was awesome. That guy was guy was really cool. Um, and then the the Zermatt Arms, which I got to give a shout out to them. Um, their new twenty two, the Rimex. I don't know what it's called. Zermatt Rimex, I guess. You guys know what I'm talking about. It is as far as a standalone twenty two action. It is by far like I'm. I was shocked how smooth and how well that thing ran. Um, I think it ran a thousand rounds with not a single hiccup from anybody. I think one guy short stroked around was the only thing he did. Um, and then everything else, just flawless feeding and, um, very accurate action is buttery smooth. Um, really reliable mags. I was, I was super impressed with it, but that was a really fun, really fun side stage as well. And so, um, anyway, props to props to those guys for, you know, for doing those side stages, that was fun. It gave me some ideas. Definitely want to figure out something for our match coming up, which we just postponed. Yeah. But definitely want to do figure out some way to do some fun side matches because it was it was really fun. A lot of people were into it. So, um, so uh, day then we roll into day one. So it's a new area that that Chaz has. It's essentially a rock. It's like a new rock pit. So new roads. It's this clay rock mess all pushed up new kind of along this ridge we know we've never shot there before and so there's no vegetation and it's all just dirt and and rock which would be fine if it was dry but it had snowed a fair bit the night before and then it warmed up and it was we were standing we were standing in water or mud probably 80% of the time and it was so <laughs> so gross um I don't mind the mud and the dirt I work in it all the time but like trying to keep brass clean or your hands there was a stage where you had to set your gun and then you had to back up and you had to it was a kind of a time tiebreaker stage you had to run through this wooded area and then up and then shoot the stage strong side weak side so when you're running up, you're falling on the hill because it's so slick. And so I was trying to keep my right hand. I kept my right hand out. Like I wouldn't touch the ground with my right hand. I, I push off the ground with my left hand trying to get up the hill to the gun while you're sliding. And I, so I jumped down there. So I shoot. But then I reached up with my left hand to grab the turret. And so now my turret's so covered in dirt, you can barely see the numbers on the first grab. Just 
and you're trying to keep stuff clean, but you're also shooting. And so, and then I had to go to weak side and a round got met. I had to single feed the last round and my hand was mud. So when I put them, I put this muddy round in there and when I shot, it was like pressure. It was just I, a big old chunk of clay went in there and it was it, anyway, stuff like that was, was that's what, why it was nasty. It was, uh, every, everything that I saw, uh, I saw one guy in our squad was, I won't say his name because he's, he was disappointing, but he was burning it down on day one <laughs> and his action just got all, he couldn't, the last three or four stages, he was like trying to single feed and, and timing out and his gun was jamming and it was just a mess. Um, so it just, there was so much dirt everywhere. I was, I dug through two garbage cans. They had big garbage cans out there after they brought lunch. And I was going through everybody's lunch boxes, trying to find napkins that were remotely dry. I was pulling out ketchupy napkins that people had used trying to, dip, oh, trying to get mud off my scope. So like, I, I can't anyway. So, so that, you are doing that. What's kind of the technique, you know, what do you do? I have, I have a little bit of a, um, I really like to keep my stuff dry and clean. And I think it's, it's a huge part of, it's uh, huge, you know, uh, running all your stuff reliably. It's um, huge. What's kind of your technique? Well, I mean, that's a good, that's a good, so my normal technique is like, you know, take a pack cover for your pack. Um, you take a rifle cover for your rifle, but everything was so wet, you couldn't really set your rifle down. And then it, when everybody would, anyone would walk by your rifle, it would splash water up underneath the cover into your action and all over your, like my gun. I wish I would take more pictures, but I'd never touch my phone. It was just so gross on Saturday. Um, at one point I shot a stage. I'd set my gun down on this little dry piece of gravel. Clough came up, shot to sh- Josh Clough. Awesome dude. Ruined with him and Matt Hornbeck, another guy. Just had a really, we had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. Um, but he was shooting the stage and you're shooting in like three, four inches of water, mud, mud water. And when he sidestepped, like he sent a wave over my gun, like just <laughs> of mud. So I, I don't even know, man. Like I, ju- it's just, it was the hardest. So generally, a, generally a gun cover, a pack cover, but you couldn't set your pack down anywhere. And so one thing I really, really liked that I did and Brian pants, my buddy, um, gave me this little, you know, it's just, it's a glorified little, uh, like a mini carabiner thing and a little ratchet string thing. And so what I did was off my really right stuff is I actually hung my pack off of my tripod. So I never set my pack down all day. I just hung off my tripod, which was amazing. Well, also it was amazing because, well, here's another pro tip. I use it in Oklahoma. I watched, I don't know how many spotters blow over. I watched 15s break. I watched spotters break. I watched, I watched a, a brand new tripod. Well, not tripod, tripod gossip blow over into a brand new Chevy or Ford. I can't remember what it was and put a like <laughs> probably a 12 inch, not like a little clear coat scratch, but like, like, like to the primer scratch down this new truck it hit hard. and, and stuff was blowing yeah. over everywhere. And so I also hung my pack down there, even though it wasn't muddy, um, but my, my tripod never even came close to budging. So I think that is a, yeah. is a major, a major thing. We'll talk about more about that. some stuff I'm working on, but, um, that was huge hanging the pack. And then, and then, and then I washed, I tried to keep my hands clean. You have to keep your, you cannot get grit on your ammo. You just can't, I don't care 
I mean, the action, I'm not going to say what action was jamming, because uh, it was a mag. It, it was it was a problem with him not keeping his crap clean. Um, it wasn't a bad action. It's just every action is gonna, and it's not a Curtis, FYI. It's one. It's an action everybody thinks is the best action in the world, and they're all gonna jam. <laughs> <laughs> they're all gonna jam when you get dirt inside of them. And so you have like I was. I pulled my mags apart multiple times, and they were they looked clean. Like I was very very careful. I. Into stage, I wipe my hand off and I'd carefully grab my mag and I put it. I had a clean pocket. I'd unzip it and I put my mag in there. So I was very particular and I still clean my mags out multiple times that day um, because you can't. If you start to have problems on a stage, your hands are so dirty that you can't like grab around out of the chamber or then you're screwed because now there's dirt in your chamber and there's dirt yeah. in the mag above. You just so your mags. You got to put the clean system, the mag in, and you have your system clean so you can run the whole stage without touching anything. You can get your scope dirty, that's fine. You can wipe that off later, and your bolt handle's fine. But you can't get dirt and grime in the mags or in the action. And so it was probably the most extreme. And it wasn't. It was relatively warm. It warmed up. It wasn't cold or anything like that. It was just. It was just condition wise in that rock pit with all the new sand, and the, the kind of the fine sand and mud was just like this perfect combination to make your gun go down if you weren't very, very careful. So I was constantly cleaning, um, wiping off rounds, like making sure my hands were clean before I loaded mags and then carefully put them in my mag holder and make sure my mag holder was clean. And then I would pull my rain jacket over um, over them so there was nothing could splash on them or nobody could brush up against them because everybody was filthy, covered in mud. So if somebody like brushed against you, you'd be covered in mud. So just like common sense stuff, but a lot of people didn't do that. And I watched a lot of people have a lot of people had problems and it cost a lot of people a lot of points on Saturday. So yeah, that was a long winded, uh, <laughs> what I tried no, to I do. Think that, was, <laughs> that was really good. And one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, you, you had mentioned, it doesn't matter the conditions. Um, what's really important is just the, the thinking about the simple things of, if it's raining, trying to keep your stuff dry, yeah. uh, trying not to have mud on your stuff. Or if it's really hot and sunny, I've seen people, they, they leave their ammo pack, you know, right out in the sun and it's a hundred degrees in yep. Oklahoma. Yep. And then they're, they're having a little bit of pressure problems. Um, yeah, their ammo is like, 120 well, degrees sitting there in their black container you know, or whatever. Now every, yeah. your rifle's already hot. Now your ammo's hot. You just got to keep track of, you know, the big picture of it. Yep. Um, or if it's, if it's blowing and sandy 100%. and you got like a, you know, uh, your, your ammo sitting out in the blowing sand. Well, now you got grit and everything on your ammo inside the rim on your ammo. Yep. Um, and so as you put it into your mag, now it's transferring onto your mag. Those are the really important things to, to kind of focus on and watch so that you're not, um, yep. you know, you're not, uh, setting yourself, uh, you know, behind the curve already just by, not paying attention yeah because you can watch guys i mean some of this let's see we did two minute stages on saturday and 90s on sunday and so two minutes is generally a lot of time especially on like a 10 round prone stage most guys can finish that in 60 seconds 90 seconds say say 90 seconds pretty easy it gives you 30 seconds of spare time of just kind of shooting shooting your way out 10 shots but you'd see guys would have a mag problem instead of pulling their mag out you know, and shaking that round or switching to their backup mag calmly and then finishing the stage. Any of that kind of stuff gets into your head. You start panicking, you slam the bolt shut, you get on the gun, break a bad shot. You either don't watch where it goes. You, you just, you start the, the worry, the panic, the, you know, 
and that snowballs. And so, yeah, keeping your stuff clean prevents, even if you get through the stage, you have a little hang up or a little, your bolt catches or something and you have, you know, have to single feed one. If you can just stay calm during that, that's fine. But generally most guys don't and they'll start the panic and the panic will mentally cause them to drop shots too. So it just, it just snowballs. I think though, it's really unneeded. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's unneeded stress on a stage. And so yeah, you're already stressed enough. If you enough. can solve all that stuff, you can really help yourself out. Yeah, and and again, not just the mud and the – a lot of you guys are shooting down south. we got, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Utah. Like, they don't get a lot of rain and, and, and nasty mud, but they surely have dust and wind. And so I think yeah. equal is the import, equally as important in some of these matches is keeping a – we use, or I use, I think you use too, um, in the, in the, in the summer, I don't need to k- cover the muzzle as much, but I do want to cover my action. So I'll use, uh, those little backpack, those thin rain covers for a backpack and then yeah. I'll, you know, clean take your gun, put your chamber flag in, make sure everything's good to go, whatever you got to do and then wrap your action. So I wrap over my scope. I hook it over my scope. It goes underneath, under the magwell, back around on top of the scope. So it seals up your action, your magwell, and your scope. So all that is dust-free and clean. And so you got a line of guns, and it's blowing 10, 15, 20 miles an hour in the summer, and and the dust is fine. And somebody upwind of you goes to pick up their gun, stand there. There's just a – you watch. You can see just dust clouds just coating people's guns and glass and stuff. And so just just be aware. People like – I see people treat – I'm all about tr- a rifle as a tool and, you, you know, whatever that whole mentality. Yes, but we're asking these tools to do very precise things for a lot of rounds on these weekends. So keep them as yep. clean as you can. Like if it's a hunting gun, I'm keeping the scope clean. I, you know, the, my action's closed. It's closed on an empty chamber, but I, I don't have an action open and a chamber flag in. My action is closed when I'm on a hunt. There's no way you'd walk around in the woods with your action open. You're going to get, you're going to get stuff in there. It would be a safety yep, thing. So right. action is closed and I'll tape the muzzle. So I've got a relatively closed system. Well, we can't do that. It matches. We got to have the actions open. And, and, and I agree with that. I don't want, I don't think we should have closed actions everywhere. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but it's a different thing. And you have got to keep your crap clean. So that was a giant takeaway from Saturday, um, bringing it back to Nebraska. But um, even even something as simple as, and I see this quite a bit as well, um, you're getting on the back of a trailer and you're in Oklahoma and they're taking you out to your stage. Yes. Uh, I see it all the time. Um, I mean, every time you're on, you're on a trailer, just, just look around and say, okay, how many of – how much, how many people on the back of this trailer don't, you know, have any protection for their rifle. Uh, and it's probably going to be, you know, 80% of all of them. There might be a couple that have some, some protection over it, but now their scope is in there. They got, you know, they're starting the day off with a bunch of dust and dirt inside their action on their bolt, uh, on their scope. And, you know, those, those small things can actually go a long way because you might not notice that your first your first uh, couple stages, but sure yep. enough, when you get a couple more stages of wind and dust and dirt on there, it starts to add up. And yep. so, um, those little things can, can actually pay big dividends if, if you're paying attention to the right things. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and some of the, like some of the dust, some of the actions have mitigated that. I know Curtis runs, runs a little, some extra clearance on purpose. And I think some of the other actions do too, um, which I really like, um, 
but I initially, I think, uh, I think it was Bat Machine. They make, they make great actions, but I had one of their early ones. That was one of the, kind of when I barely started this, I, sh- I had a Bat 647 um, that I shot my very first couple matches with. And that gun, if it saw dust uh, or anything, would would bind <laughs> would bind up so hard because it was a bench yeah. action. I mean, the tolerances when that thing was polished clean and a tiny coat of oil, it was the smoothest thing you've ever felt. But soon, it, if it looked outside, it would start to get it would start to bind up. <laughs> and so, it dep- some of your gear too, like a lot of our gears, optimized more of the tactical action. Obviously, you have super good lockup and headspace, but you have a little more clearance on the on the raceways and some of that stuff. And so, some some of it's better, but you still, I mean, you anyway, yeah, you gotta. Yeah. I think we beat that horse, but you gotta keep it clean. So, keep your ammo clean, keep your mags clean for sure. Um, Really keep that action clean. Try not to have stuff blowing down your bore either. I mean, if it's real nasty, yeah. maybe do a full rifle cover. So, um, what's the name of the? What cover do you use mainly? Um, so I'm. I typically use uh, about anything I can get a hold of. To be honest, yeah. um, There's a couple out there. There's one that's called the 11 second cover. It's it's like a couple a couple ounces, and it's pretty much just like a piece of of nylon or vinyl that's got velcro on the bottom mm-hmm. um i got this uh this new one from uh a gentleman named john uh down south and and he made it it's got a clear cover over it it's completely waterproof and it, it covers the whole action um the whole rifle system okay. and then uh i have another one from armageddon gear as well that that i uh, really like it's a little bit more durable so it's just a heavier a uh, piece of equipment, heavier piece of fabric. Um, and I mean, there, it doesn't matter what you use, just keep that crap off your gun. Yeah. You know, keep it. And of course, if it's on your, your, the outside of your stock, it's not a big deal. Or, yeah. um, you know, if it's on your barrel or muzzle brake, it's, you know, a little bit of dust isn't going to hurt anything, but no, you just got to keep it out of the important part. Keep it yeah. off your lenses so you can see, keep yeah. it off your, you, you know, out, out of your action, out of your trigger yep. mechanism, yep. keep it out of your magazines, which is probably one of the, the more common problems we see for sure is we see magazine failures. And then, um, if you're, if your magazine, if, if you can't feed around in your gun, you can't shoot. And so that's a super, you know, we were actually just talking about, uh, Dasher and BRA and BRX and six Creedmoor and all that kind of stuff and how they're relating to app to, to magazines um it's important to get your stuff to you know really dialed in yep yep absolutely absolutely so um i see i don't know i mean i don't know if we want to do we want to do go ahead you had a six br six brx six dasher magazine question um yeah we could oh we'll hit that i'll probably do a little bit more on i'll go through nebraska a little bit more what was the what uh interested it says uh his name hold left edge um good deal must be from the southeast um (laughs) (laughs) just kidding 
Just kidding. I love it. Uh, hey, John and Jake, uh, would be interested in a brief discussion on podcasts. If you have time about Dasher, 6BRX, Magazine Feeding, BR Improved, gets a really bad rap for feeding. What works? What are some tips you may have? Thanks for your generous sharing, blah, blah, blah. Thanks a lot. Oh, he's from down under. We got a we got an Australian. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it, buddy. Must not, must not have any wind over. I thought it blew hard in, in Australia. You're going to miss if you just hold up the edge, buddy. So we could uh, ask, uh, we can get Paul Reed on and ask him. Yeah. Hey, is, does it blow in the, in Australia? So, um, okay. You go, you go ahead with your thoughts, um, first and then I'm, so I got some comments. I kind of, uh, I thought about this a lot and, um, you know, when Dasher first started to become popular before, I mean, there might've been one in 10 people running it. Um, I decided to go with a six BRX. Mm-hmm. I went with the six BRX because it had a 30 degree shoulder instead of the dasher 40 degree. And thus I could essentially feed it better. Cause it's going to funnel into my chamber a little bit better. Um, that was my initial thought. And I ran BRX for, um, you know, a couple years, uh, you know, very successfully didn't have, uh, many problems with it. It fed like butter and I was completely happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to squeeze out a little bit more performance and get a little bit more consistency with the 40 degree shoulder. Obviously that steeper shoulder has been proven to be slightly more consistent. Um, and obviously we're splitting hairs, but yep. it's been, it, it's, it's slightly more consistent and we're going to, I'm going to get a little bit better velocity um, running the same low pressure that I run with a dasher. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try dasher. Um, and for me, it's been a really easy, super change, uh, you know, uh, super easy changeover for, for me personally. It hasn't been any different. Your BRX and your dasher were the same was what you're saying. Yeah. They're just, they're just, they're running the same. And now I have my action set up so that the action is, uh, feeding for that. My mags have the HRD, uh, spacers and, and, you know, a dasher magazine kits in them. Uh, it feeds really smooth. I keep my magazines clean, everything feeds smooth on it. But, uh, one thing that I wanted to say is don't be afraid to tweak something to get, to get it to run in your particular setup. Everyone's action is different. Everyone's stock is chassis is different. Everyone you know, yep. runs a, you know, different uh, length, all that kind of stuff. Even bullet length can play a difference on feeding. Um, yep. So if you have a longer bullet that's sticking up in a short case, maybe it hits the side of your chamber instead of allowing it to pop up, you know, into the center of the, you know, center of the raceway. And that's how it's going to feed. So every single person is different, but basically get it in there see what works for you, tweak it so that it's perfect for your particular round, your length, your case, your mag, and then, and then duplicate that with a couple other mags too. So all my stuff, I have the AW mags, HRD, uh, kits, obviously the Curtis action XLR chassis and my stuff just feeds like, like butter smooth. And I don't ever have to worry about problems. Um, because I went in there, I looked, I said, okay, how, are there any problems? Are there any sticking points? I've taken care of all the, all the situations that could arise and now it feeds really good. And, and I don't, I don't worry about problems. 
it's a huge advantage not to have any sort of problems. It's huge. Yeah. So when I was getting into this, I guess it's been five years ago, there was this little local gunsmith that uh, some of my buddies were using and he was from the bench rest side. And, and this is when everyone's running six SLR and six XC and everything else. This is well, way before anybody shot a dasher in the sport. No, no one had Brian Allen. Nobody had shot a dasher in this. Nobody, uh, I mean, maybe somebody had, but nobody in the top, no one had won a match with it. No one was practicing with it. This is years before. And this, um, I started five years and this was years before that he had been trying to talk my buddies into running dasher for this sport. And because he had been on the bench rest side, this old guy, he's like, you should just shoot dasher. It sounds like you need accuracy and they, and blah, blah, blah. And so their thought there, they was like, well, no, because it doesn't feed. And that was the end of that. And so that was years ago. And so this, this idea that dasher doesn't feed, I don't quite understand, um, that comment, I guess I I've shot Dasher out of a defiance out of surgeons, Curtis's um, I've watched tons of them shoot out of impacts and lone peaks. And I, I'm like, I don't get where they're so hard to feed. And I, I get this question quite a bit. And I mean, you need to make sure your system feeds, but that goes the same when you're shooting a 647, a 6 Creed, a 308, a 223. They all need to feed, and you need to do that. And mags, not all mags are created equal. I bought, the other day, I bought a couple AWs. And so with a dasher, you do need the HRD uh, kit to feed a dasher. So yes, you can't just take a mag and run it. You do need that little spacer kit for the for the AW mags. So you can make yep. the argument, that, okay, well, that's a pain. Well... Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's two seconds to switch, and it's and they're not terribly expensive, and they last forever. So, I bought three brand new AW mags and some new kits because I wanted I wanted mags. Those came. Two of them fed perfectly. Never touched them. Didn't do anything. And the third one didn't feed for crap. And so the the lip spacing was off from the factory, um, or that it, it got bent in shipping or something. It wasn't major, but it was enough to where it didn't work very well. So that being said, if you had just ordered one mag and you got the bad bad one. I mean, I, I fixed it. I measured the spacing on my good mags and I tweaked those feed lips to match and then it was fine. That being said, if you got one mag that maybe was not quite right, maybe, okay, now you're going to complain that they don't feed. But I've seen, I've shot them in so many different mags. I run Dasher. I have a the AW mag with a, a, a MPA mag extension that I have ran for... I've had it for years and years. I've run it in every action and it's got no spacer kit. I just, it's got the regular follow a regular spring. I run dasher. I don't have to move the rounds forward. Doesn't matter where they're out. Put 14 rounds in there or 12. How many does it hold? I think it holds 14. I I only do 12. Which one? That my eight, my AI mag with the, with yeah. the MPA spacer dash rounds all the way against the back and the thing feeds like butter in every action I've ever put it in. Don't never touch the feed lips, never did anything. And so I get all these things about stuff, not feeding. And I'm like, man, I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, caveats to this are different chassis are different and different actions are different. So the Curtis is a, yep. is a, is a bigger bolt body and a three lug. So by design, the clearances are a little bit different. So on my MDTs, I needed to trim, I tr- did trim 
my um, my mag catches a little bit. I know MPA makes adjustable mag catches, and and Jay Allen had adjustable like. So that's a normal thing just to get your actions just perfect, your, your mags and your action and your chassis interface. You want it running so stinking good, you'll never have, never have a hiccup. So I did trim my mag catches a little bit um, because, um, because that bolt sits a little bit lower in a Curtis. It's a, a bigger outside diameter than a, like a normal 90 degree. That was the only thing I did. And I've, I've, I did that on some and I didn't do it on some and they ran good. It just ran a tiny bit better after I trimmed them. I think I trimmed them 20 thousandths. Um, so pretty minor, but there are little tweaks. It's just kind of load your mags, put them in the gun, feed them, watch the, watch how the bullet goes. And, and just, you can do minor tweaks and get them just feeding like butter and, and all my stuff just feeds simple. But that mag catch was the same, what it needed to be done, whether I ran a 308, which is maybe the easiest, supposed to be the easiest feeding round ever, or a 6547 or a dasher. It's all the same. So I haven't seen any of the feeding problems that some people talk about with Dasher that's that's such an issue. And I've ran Dasher for years and I know tons of other guys that are, that do. So yep. um anyway, that was a, a long winded response to just you need to make your system make sure your system works perfectly no matter what you're running. Um and and, and guns need a little adjustment, you know, sometimes. And a lot of mine haven't. Well you just put them together and go, but just just you need to confirm that they're running good. So um yep. anyway so yeah aws need kits for dasher brx br uh ais i haven't needed a kit i had a kit i took it out because i like the regular one better just and i never had any issues so um um do, do you want to where do we go with number guy wanted me to run through some stages in nebraska I'll, a couple of them um well, you told me about a couple of them, and they seem pretty challenging, and you were able to do really well. Well, maybe, maybe uh, break down a couple of those tough ones. Well, a couple. I'm thinking of one particular one, and if you were there, you'll know it was there was a long range stage kind of up on this up on this hill. They built like this a platform where you could lay out of the mud on top of this little rock, this hill, um, and that was a prone stage out. That was straightforward. The very next stage was on the side hill. And you had to shoot off this rock on the right, which was kind of modified prone for six rounds. And then you had to go kind of down to this. I don't even know. It was, you had to shoot. It was painted rock. You couldn't get a bipod on it. Um, so kind of a bag. It was a real awkward position, 12 round stage. And this is one. Then there was, there there were mulligans at this match. Um, and I've, I've bought a mulligan at every match and I've never used one before. This is the first time I've used a mulligan. So I've always come home with mulligans in my pocket, but they, I bought one. I went up there. I was like, okay, this stage seems, it was like a, gosh, if I can remember right, about a, around a 500 yard, eight inch, and then about a six twenty five eight inch, and then an eight fifty, or maybe it was six, seven, 700, and then an 858 inch. So that 850 is small and, you know, just over MOA and it was blowing between 10 and 12 most of the day. So a little bit of wind out there. Um, two shots on the close, two on the middle, two on the far, and then move and then repeat the cycle from the other position. So 12 rounds. I was like, okay, this seems like a pretty, you know, a, an eight to 10 round. I was like, I should pull an eight out of this pretty straightforward. And I got up there, the modified prone ended up being a little bit of a cluster. It was all muddy and 
didn't it was okay but not as good as I'd like and I went to the other position it was a disaster I couldn't get stable and I was sliding around and I had just (laughs) it just was a cluster and I had to single feet around and I got a four out of 12 and I was like no way so instantly I stood up to do my mole again and now I'm having to switch mags and I grab the rounds out my side saddle, trying to clean my hands off and reload my mag because you got to shoot it right then. Hand on my chip. I go again and I got a five out of 12. And I was like, I, I was just shocked because it was the, um, are you still there? Hello? Uh, we lost him. Let me see if I can get him back on here and patch him back in. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, we had a, uh, accidental hang up, um, <laughs> or something. I don't know what. Um, so anyway, I, on the mulligan, I, I mulligan for a five. And so I was telling Chaz, um, I had never, ever since I've shot, um, I've had hard stages like, man, this one, this one could be tough. I really need to focus and, and had stages be hard. I've had that. And I've had wind where it's like the wind gets you on a long range and it just is what it is. I've had that, but never a stage that was relatively straightforward beat me up so bad. I'd never misjudged stages as much as I had that Saturday. So I got comments from guys like, Hey man, that was really hard. And I was like, yeah, there were some really hard some really hard stages. So I didn't want guys like feeling bad. Like it was a hard, he, he had some pretty small targets. Um, you know, we had close to MOA. That's great though. Yeah, Man, no, awesome. I thought so. He had some, you know, some close to MOA there, MOA on the next one. We had a, what do we have? A, a five inch or a four inch, four or five inch at five twenty. Um, a, a big, small target. So like a, like a two MOA, one MOA or two MOA, sub one MOA. I can't remember exactly. And that stage beat me up too. That was a pretty, uh, just a 10 position, two shots per big, small, you know, big, small move, big, small move, big, small five times for, for 10 rounds. And that one, I think I got a six out of 10 on and just was, it was tough. Um, so there were some, there were some hard stages. So I, I don't know what I take away from that outside of, um, there was, I was watching my shots pretty good. It just, it just is tough. And I think the takeaway from that is like, keep your head, try to keep your head in it mentally and be like, okay, uh, got to grind it out and stay focused. And so it was that stage, the next stage and the next stage I'd shot pretty good. And then the, and then three stages in a row were just ball busters. So the, the last stage on that side was this (laughs) blind stage. So you couldn't see anything. You went down there and you had, they had these binos on a tripod between these two tent fence, the, the, these, uh, T posts driven in the ground where your limiters ahead of you. So you look between the T posts and you find these three targets. Then you move down, you had to shoot out of this tree. So kind of stick your gun in this tree and then you'd flip this board down and it would show you the ranges. So you would find the targets on the clock, move into position flip the board down. Then you see the ranges. So now you know what to dial because the, one of the targets you've already found. And then it was three shot, no, two shots on each. So six rounds total. It was two points. First round hit one point second. I timed out on that and got beat up pretty good. And so I had three stages in a row that really beat me up. And this comes back to, man, I don't want to say his name. Good guy. We had a really, really fun squad, but he was, he'd been shooting pretty good during, during day one. And he started having some mag problems 
and some feeding problems and whatever whatever was going on. And he did, he let it get in his head. And he asked me afterwards, this isn't anything he doesn't know. He's like, hey, what, you know, if there's something you see that I could work on. And I was like, man, uh, you gave up mentally uh, seven stages into Saturday when you had all the, all the rest of the stuff left. And he salvaged a decent, a top five, I think, or something. But he was, in, I, he was ahead of me for most of Saturday, um, especially after especially after um that that one stage at mulligan i i just i don't know what happened so um we were hanging in there and but then i ended up you know he got in his head and i ended up beating him by you know 20 25 points on the match maybe maybe actually more than that and i think a lot of that was mental um and so i just it is and i say this to myself i say this to everybody else it's hard to keep your head in the game when stuff's not going well but yep. i i did those three stages beat me up i got a five after a mulligan of a four and then i got a six out of ten on a stage i should have got at least an eight and then the blind stage i got beat up on pretty good too and and i went to the, we had two stages left and i walked i i was the last shooter on the blind stage and we had a long walk so i walked all the way back up this muddy hill and all the way back by myself and just regroup and every step okay finish strong finish strong focus and here we go and just slow slow down and i did i cleaned you know the next stage was a 14 point stage that i cleaned and then there was a long we finished on this long range stage and i got a um what i get eight a seven out of ten on and i was very happy about that i mean it was a long couldn't see you couldn't see misses on the last two targets at all they were in brush and so and the wind was blowing pretty good so um just really finished strong so I was proud of myself for doing that but that's the takeaway and that's the thing I talked about with this guy it was a good dude but but we're all doing that I mean I dealt with that in Oklahoma it's like hey try to stay trying to stay focused when when you're having a hard time but um anyway those stages were tough the blind stage I don't know what to give you guys for for critique it's just it's it's blind stages are good because they get in your head I think generally most of blind stages we've seen or unknown where you got to find targets or range targets or blind stage mostly they get in people's heads they none of them have been terribly difficult Um, but people will rush a position because they're nervous instead of taking the extra time to get stable they'll just start shooting because they're all are they're in their head before the stage starts and so that one was just was i was a little bit in my head i was a lot we were way backed up we were squad and a half backed up when we got there and i was the last shooter so i sat at that stage for well over an hour um other than that the whole match flew uh, flowed really well i don't know what the hang-up was there Um, but i sat there for a long long time i did get in my head a little bit um, and that's the hard part on the blind stages. The other ones were just felt like I shot pretty good. Um, I just some stages are hard, and 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 I think just remembering that and be, and trying not to let it get you down, and so you make up points where you can get your points. And so I guess that's my only takeaways. The rest of the stages were pretty straightforward. There were some he spread out long range really good. Kind of some spread those out during the day. Um, you know, prone. Um, pretty straightforward just shooting trying to watch which way the one thing well one thing i'll say is he had his his targets hung on straps which is is very nice it's it's a real easy to tell what side of the target you're hitting on and so 
if you guys, when you're hitting targets, especially when they're, if they're on T-post hangers, which are the most durable, that's what I practice on at home because they last forever. They're the most durable, like reliable way to hang targets is, is on, is on hangers, but straps make life easy. Uh, they're not as durable, but man, it's really easy to tell if you hit on the left side or the right side of a plate. And so on those stages, it was more about just either if you missed, make a correction, get your hit, and then watching which way the plates are rocking. And, and it was pretty straightforward that way. The rest of the stages were pretty, I think, pretty straightforward. So um, I, had a, yeah. I had a decent lead Saturday. I think I was seven, eight points up. And then um, on you added so- another 12 to it. Yeah, and, and sun, Sunday I shot um, – Sunday it was it was we were moved to locations we were it didn't rain we were on grass it was so nice it was um <laughs> I mean I hosed my gear down the night uh, Saturday night for 20 minutes trying to get the clay off my boots and my pants and my coat and my gun and my tripod I mean I, everything was out in the yard in the snow just and I was hosing it hosing it and hosing it and just a yard sale in the house and just I mean it was a mess so Saturday was super pleasant not much wind and just lit it on fire. Just had one of those days where um, it was it was a good day. So you were focused. Yeah. Well, and, you know, honestly, one of the one of the biggest things you were just talking about the mental game. Um, obviously, you know, in our sport, you have to be able to uh, get stable, know how to get stable. Um, yep. You know, put yourself in a, a good position to to pull a great shot. Mm-hmm. You have to be quick, and you got to be you know physically um, able to do that. Yep. But a big part of a big part of of this is, you know, and you hear it all the time. You hear, you know, guys ask us all the time, how yep. how are we mentally preparing? What are we doing to yep. uh, to mentally prepare? A lot of it too is it's shooting. It's the confidence to know you can do it, um, and it's all it's it's also when everyone's out practicing. How are you practicing? What mm-hmm. are you practicing on? Um, yep. because a lot of times people are out there and they're practicing on much bigger targets. And yep. I think that practicing on much bigger targets, and I was just watching a shooting video, uh, earlier today of a guy out there hitting full size Ipsic targets and he was all <laughs> excited about it. Well, yeah. that's great. But, uh, you know, try to maybe hit a half size Ipsic and challenge yourself so that when you get into a mad situation, you don't get frustrated when you get frustrated, you don't know what to do. And then you completely lose it that weekend. And then after the weekend's over, you're like, man, I don't know what happened. I just lost it mentally. And then we're sitting back. Well, I know exactly what happened. Um, and it's, it's a mental challenge to go out to the course, um, and beat yourself up on the practice range. And that's really what, um, I would recommend if, if you guys are looking to get better, uh, go out there and do something challenging, beat yourself up so that it's not easy. Yeah. And there's two thoughts to it too. Sometimes we want to go out. What do we want to do? We want to have fun, right? You mm-hmm. and I are out there. Oh yeah. You know, we're, you know, we want to have fun. We want to be able to hit some tar- and hitting targets is fun. Yep. Um, but you really got to challenge yourselves because it's really, it's exponential. For example, a hundred percent IPSC is, you know, uh, six times bigger than a 45%. It's, it's a, it's not yeah. just like twice as bigger. It's six times the size. That's crazy. Six times the surface area. It's a lot bigger target. Yeah. And so, you know, they say, Oh, well, I'm going to shoot hundred percent. Okay. Um, but when we're shooting 66% or half size targets in a match and you're saying, well, I can't hit them nearly as often. Well, it's, it's just, 
you know, that's going to get in your head and maybe no one's hitting them nearly as often because that's a, that's a tougher target. That's fine. Yeah, but exactly. You're able to kind of push through that and work through that. Yep. No, I agree. And I think also, um, I think also on the practice side, I find myself doing it is those first few shots get up there and you're like, just kind of warming stuff up and shooting. And, and lately I've been really working on like, okay, the very first shot I break today, I want to hit that target. Like I don't, don't just like make every shot count. And I say this a million times and I'm preaching to myself is it, it's hard to not get lazy when you're shooting. Don't work on volume, work on quality. We've said that before, work on your, right. work on your, your mantra, your, whatever you're going to, if you have a shot process, your, what you're talking your self talk, walking yourself, yourself through the shot, like really, really work on that. And I've been, I've been doing that. I've been fire forming a bunch of brass, um, and breaking in some new barrels. I just got from Joe, uh, getting the new dashers, the new benchmarks. I finally got my own reamer after f- taking JGS took a while, but I got it. So he just spun some new barrels on my <laughs> new, my new dasher reamer. I did a little bit longer free bore. Um, so breaking those in and really when you're breaking for one, when you're fire forming, it is about volume. You're trying to get your brass formed. And when you're breaking in barrels, you want to get rounds to them so you can start load development. So I kept fighting myself. Like, oh, I'll just run five more. I'll run five more. And I'm like, okay. And then, just slow down and make your shots count when you get into the groove man i was this thing was hammering when i was fire i was just jamming one of hybrids um in the lands with 30 grains of argot fire forming this lapua brass and the thing was hammering and so it made practice really really fun hitting, <laughs> hitting sub moa targets and just stacking around so and every time i slowed down and made the process i hit i don't think i ever i don't think i ever broke a shot a good shot that missed like it, everything weren't where we're supposed so to go. Great. So it was really rewarding and really easy to tell when, when I got sloppy cause you'd miss and there wasn't a lot of wind. So it was just, it was kind of, you're just missing on, on, on breaks, but just slow down and, 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 and make good shots. But that's a, that's great. That's good. But anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, finished Nebraska, finished strong, uh, won the match. And that was, that was great. Great. Matt Hornbeck got his, I think first top three, which was pretty cool. He got second. So that was fun. We were squatted together. He did a really good job. And so anyway, just we had a great time. I, I want to give props to Chaz. He, uh, He's taken some, you know, constructive criticism over the years with as being a match director, and he did a really, a really good job. I think his target sizes were were fair. Um, the big, the long range targets that were in the brush were were big targets, um, but you couldn't see where you missed. Everything else, the small stuff, you can see where you missed, so you can make smart corrections as a shooter. He spread the long range stages out evenly, spaced them out. Um, didn't have a bunch of them in a row. Didn't have any you know, kind of weird scoring on a spinner or anything. He did a really good job um, of making, you know, I thought a pretty fair match. And I talked to beginners and, and a lot of different skill levels and everybody, you know, everybody got beat up, but it seemed like everybody had a pretty good time. Um, you know, thoughts That's on Ashes Fair. So I just wanted to say thanks to him and the NRL as usual. So um, that's yeah. uh, awesome. Anyway, do you want to uh, – Let's see. We could probably wrap this sucker up pretty quick here. But do you want to mention? You want to talk about our match at all, or you want to hit that in, in another one? Give a little little, um, little you know, tease or a ton of a ton of cool stuff to talk about. Let's let's hammer that out um, uh, next week. We okay. we did push it back uh, from first part of May to the first part of June. Um, yep. So we or, or I guess second week of June. So we're giving a little six week break. Yep. Kind of letting some of the COVID stuff settle down and, um, yep. you know, 
just uh, just kind of let some of this get past us. It was it was too heated uh, for for everyone to do it. And plus, we had we have right around thirty two international uh, shooters coming to our match. So awesome. that's actually a really big number. Yeah. Um, yep. And all 32 of them could not make it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We're hoping, you know, they, they're all shut down. Um, yep. I guess stuff starts to, from what I'm hearing, it starts to, you know, open it back up first of May or first week of May. So that'll give us another month to let things calm down and, and uh, really hoping that these, that these international guys can make it. Um, for sure. I know that for doing big stuff like that, all their flights are scheduled, all their hotel rooms are scheduled, all their stuff is already scheduled. Um, yep. So it's, it's just a pain in the butt. They have to do stuff, you know, so far in advance. But um, hoping these guys can make it and hoping all you guys can make it. We're really looking forward to having you. Yeah. I did get the, the helicopter changed over. It was a small change fee for me um, to change it over to a different date. I yep. lost a part of my deposit, but um, I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm just excited to have the helicopter there. Yep. So yeah, it'll be fun. And we did we yeah, did was that last weekend or weekend before I ran over there for a long a long weekend and we got the course of fire uh, pretty much completely done. Set some set some new props. Came up with some some stages. Maybe we'll probably give you a little details on here on a couple just for fun. Yeah, let's, There's let's spill the beans on the next episode. Yeah, we'll do some. There's definitely a few that that I don't know if you're getting through, but I love, I love when match directors do that because <laughs> if you don't get, if, if no one gets to them, no, it just is what it is. You get, uh, it's, it, it anyway, there's some, there's some fun ones. I'm wishing I'm shooting the match. I, I'm kind of excited about it. So got some typical stuff and we got a little bit of different, different flavor on a few of them. So it's, uh, it should be pretty fun. So we'll hit that. We'll talk about that more later. So anyway, all right. Well, thanks for, it. thanks for coming on, buddy. Um, I'll get this, uh, I'll splice this sucker together, uh, on that break there. Shouldn't be a big deal at all. And we'll, uh, We'll get it pushed out anyway. Thanks, you, thanks you guys for listening. I do always appreciate the feedback. Got a lot of positive. I know every time Jake goes anywhere, I go anywhere. A lot of you guys give us positive feedback, which means a lot. Like we're just we're sitting here talking to each other and hoping you guys can learn a little bit. Um, and so I do appreciate lots of kind words in Nebraska and and Oklahoma. Yep. Just anyway, appreciate the support as always. Thanks for the questions. Um, we've got some more questions here. I'll answer, uh, you know, coming, going forward, but trying to keep up with those. And anyway, I just want to say thanks again to the audience. We, uh, we do appreciate you guys very much. So stay safe out there. Toodles. <laughs>